So Sarah has returned from Portlandia. How was your trip? Honestly, I love Portland. What an interesting city. Um, as you know, I was there in 2018. That was my first time back. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I will I will say post-COVID, things were like a little different. Like they're still kind of like shut down in some areas and the vibe was a little different, but overall just such a fun city and I, being that close to the Blazers, like sitting, like Carly, you saw the seats and I posted I, on our yeah. next seven up account. Like, come mm-hmm. on, that was yes. incredible. So blessed, like literally so close to Dame that like you hear the coaches, like you hear the players. It just, nothing gives me an adrenaline rush more than that. 100%. And, um, of course we joked guys on the podcast about like, that I hope Dame would kind of come back at this game. And what did he do? He showed up in a big way. Um, his maybe it's not bad. a joke. No, maybe it's not a joke. Like, I, what did I say? I said, I said that if I if he played well, that I was a good luck charm. Because yeah, luck again, he was not making anything from the three. He starts making threes game. He scores twenty five points, goes off, leads the team to a win against the Lakers team. That I'll add. Okay, they're a little beat up. You got Anthony Davis leaving the game for a stomachache in the first quarter, and you have LeBron sitting the bench. I get it. <laughs> okay. But this is still a Westbrook-led offense. You still have Melo, who's, like, been a really good vet. So, I mean, this is not, like, some shabby team, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's still a win, and it was great. But we need to get into some of these NBA headlines. Yeah. I've had so many notifications today. It's unbelievable. So, I actually think it's funny, and we were texting about this, but, um, like, all this stuff is going on in the NFL. And, like, normally the NBA, like, consumes headlines, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. their thing. Like, mm-hmm. the league, you know, that kind of thing. Right, um, right. And, like, the NFL was, like, consuming the headlines. But the, the NBA room was, like, <laughs> hold up. They're like, I no. Got, I got something for you. Yeah, like, somehow, <laughs> you know, they coordinated with Jokic last night, I guess. Some crazy stuff. But um, <laughs> before we get into those antics, I'll, I'll since I went to the game against the Lakers, I want to dive into that. So, sure. James back on track. Westbrook has been struggling. Anybody who knows me well knows that I've never been a Westbrook fan. Sure, there's some bias due to him and things back and forth, but I've just never been a fan of his game. Mm-hmm. I think he's a bit careless. I don't think he's good in the crunch time, and he's been performing pretty badly. I mean, he was actually awful, and he came on Twitter and stuff, and he was like, I'm going to start giving more effort. It's a lack of effort, but like, I don't think it's a lack of effort. I just think the dude's not that great. I just don't think he's that talented of a point guard. I Ooh. never did. That's my hot take. Um, come, I you, mean, I, I like it. I like it. Say what you feel. Let yeah, the people just, come for you. I've always <laughs> thought he was a careless guy. and The whole triple-double thing doesn't do much for me. Like, those stats, if those don't equate to wins, and that doesn't mm-hmm. make your team better, Absolutely. then I don't right. really care. I, just I don't agree care. with that. Stats don't mean anything unless you put W's up. Alright, and so, let's talk about Mello for a minute. I would like to – a lot of people were like, Melo's done. His career is over. Hang it up. The Blazers gave him a chance. He kind of proved himself, right? The Lakers took him on, finally mm-hmm. gets to team up with LeBron, his bestie. And now he's on pace for the best shooting year of his career. Guys, in the most recent t- game, he scored 29 behind 9 of 13 shooting, including seven threes. He is averaging 50% from the field and 52% from three this season. They're both career highs. That's crazy that people said he was done and now he's at his career best. Like, that's just, it's unbelievable. How old? He's like, let me look. Late this guy's got to be in like the late 30s. Yeah, and like late 30s, everyone, right? Yeah, and everyone counted him out. They were just like, this dude is done. Like, he's not going to add any 
any contributions to a team. And here he is, like, literally, he was, like, the Lakers' leading scorer last night aside from Anthony Davis. He's 37. He's 37. Wow. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Um, some drama in the NBA. Carly, did you see the Jokic uh, slug? I don't know what you I, know what I did that. see. Like, where did that come from? Okay, guys, I'm sure everyone tuned in, but Markeith Morris, he he decided to give give Jokic a little shove to the ribs, and Jokic looked like he was going to kill him. Like, I was like, there's this is straight up homicide. Like, did you see the way he shoved him? It was like a homicide. He, it was like he was taking names, you know. <laughs> it was we did, and I get that the Morris brothers have been known for some questionable plays, and I would definitely say it was a dirty play. But the way Jokic shoved him, I mean, he could have really, in, he could have really injured him. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So that that landed him obviously an ejection, and and a lot of people are calling it right. a cheap shot. When when people say basketball isn't a contact sport, play that. <laughs> yeah it, yeah it's not a contest but here we are with so right. much aggression uh, yeah yeah um, and then uh, so many tweets about it yeah. from the brothers like his brothers everyone knows that he has brothers in the nba and that they're these famous brothers and his brother was like you know tweeting some things that kind of were i don't know people have y- Jokic has a target on his back between jimmy butler and and morris's brother there's definitely a target on his back right now mm-hmm. yeah so that's interesting yeah Another thing that I saw um, NBA news is that the Celtics expressed interest in trading for Ben Simmons, which I was kind of surprised. I was like, is that is that real? I don't know. But like this, I wonder how long the Simmons saga is going to continue for. We've been talking about this for literally months. It's wild. Yeah, I I agree. It really is crazy. Um, Yeah. So I I don't know if it's a real if it's real interest I'm not sure but we'll see what happens and then yeah. um, last thing to discuss with the NBA um, the Suns the Phoenix Suns are facing a scandal um, having to do with their owner Robert Sarver and the NBA is launching an investigation into the team into into like uh, you know personally into the owner. Um, allegedly and reportedly Sarver made racist and sexist comments while operating this franchise and he you know supervised a toxic works workplace and didn't do anything about it or and uh contributed to the toxicity yeah well these headlines keep breaking out and it's it's really concerning because we were just talking about the NHL scandal yes I think it just happens more than we think it just goes under the radar yeah, until something gets revealed and then an investigation happens and, you know, then you uncover all, all, all these things. It's interesting, Carly, because I never worked for a team and you've worked for uh, multiple teams, professional teams. And luckily, the way you described it, the organizations you worked for were so wonderful. Luckily. Yes, I definitely looked out in that regard. Um, you know, I've heard from other people in the industry that have been my colleagues at some point or people I know well that I'm friends with that they were in other organizations and did not have the same experience, which is obviously really, you know, awful to hear. That shouldn't be the reality. But unfortunately, we're finding out more and more that it is. It's, yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. Um, in other news, the NFL is going all and there's a, it's just like where to look like I, it's it's insane um, yeah it's pretty crazy 
But lights are off Sunday. Um, hence Ooh, my raspy, how was that? Hence my raspy voice because I was <laughs> screaming like my life depended it on it. The final drive where it was a defensive stand, like but in the red zone, um, where the Giants first to seal the win. Mm-hmm. In our end zone where our seats are and i was oh my god literally like, life dependent like so oh loud like, they better hear me like they can definitely hear me and this is why i sound a little raspy because you know i as very seriously to be loud when i'm supposed to be loud <laughs> and to be quiet I'm supposed to be quiet you sound like i usually literally at giants games when they're like quiet the offense is at work he takes it so he's like looking around like quiet as hell it's so funny i hate when people when you're like a, when a Giants fan make noise when we're on offense, it does not make sense to me. I'm like, read, read the sign, <laughs> read the room, read the sir. sign, read the sign. Yeah, uh, it was so nice to see it win at home. I literally haven't seen a win at home since probably <laughs> 2018. I'm not joking around. Oh my god. Um, so it was really good to see a win at home. The, the MVP of this game was safety Xavier McKinney, second year guy um who's second round pick out of alabama he had two picks one was a pick six and he just showed up made the big plays when he needed to also the giant uh had a great game on the ground running back Devonte booker really had a good game so it was good to see like those things happening granted the raiders were coming into the game with a lot of distractions um, things that, you know, we're going to address. Um, first thing we talked about was the Gruden thing. Now dealing with the wake of that. Um, and the next thing, which it's just like such a terrible, terrible event, um, is dealing with the, um, the kind of outfall of this whole Henry Ruggs situation. Oh, this has been... I think, Carly, when we talk about the situation, it's hard not to talk about in the context of the bigger picture. I wanted to share a very interesting article and stat today about the incident. And it was about the NFL having basically a DUI problem. And it said that the biggest criminal issue in the NFL in the past quarter century are DUIs. And what the stat shows is that nothing comes close. According to USA Today sports a database of 1023 player arrests and citations since 2000 that's a lot my gosh it's pretty overwhelming so it's definitely a bigger issue than like this incident i think shed light for me on just how big the dui issue is in the league yeah and and also they have like nfl players have a service that they can Mm -hmm. call at any time that can give them a ride any player anything like that's yes wow I didn't. I didn't know. Want that. to avoid this, but you know these. I don't know. This was just. I mean, to say like, um, like another player in the league spoke on this, and I completely disagreed with what he had to say. He said, "Oh, he mistake. No, no, Young and a mistake is showing up hung up, yeah, missing your maybe missing your meeting." Right, that's a mistake. This this is so life. awful. Right, you took someone's life. That's not just oh he's young. It was a mistake. 
No, I think that's actually really scary to even say that. That's a problem yes. itself. I um so obviously like this is just a terrible, terrible situation and the fact that it resulted in a loss of life is just even more awful and obviously like can't imagine that. Um and you know, the team um, you know, released rugs, you know, a day later, um, as they should. <sighs> Um, As they should. I mean, Carly, I don't have yeah. sympathy in this situation. I neither, just don't have any. Neither do I. Like, there's, there's so, so many, many things ways this could be avoided. For. There's so many That's ways this saying. could have been avoided. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, it really is. And then, and then yeah, go ahead, sir. <laughs> no, <laughs> Carly, we were, I could tell we were thinking the same thing. The team is just suffering with the Damon news. You can gets gets worse, though. Damon gets- Arnett was a first-round pick. He was released from the team after a video came out of him waving around a gun and making threats with it. Oh my um, God. And on in his rookie <sighs> year, apparently, he uh, got in an accident with four different rental cars. How does that even happen? I don't, I don't understand. Know. So they got rid of him, which was like they that was, he was a both these players are a huge investment. And what happens with the Raiders? I feel like they have a reputation for almost going with the guys that have some issues, and they want to offer to help the guys. Like they think they're talented enough, and that they have the capability as a team to give the guys the resources they need to improve on whatever them. One of the guys that, like, you know, Darren Waller had an addiction problem and he was at rock bottom and they, like, worked with him to, like, bring him to what he is now. So, like, they have done it before, but you, it's like you can't make it, you know, kind of like a formula. It just doesn't work that way. And more often than not, you're probably going to end up with these kind of situations. It's just that it's so sad for the team and one of the platforms the video was shared on of him for any people with a gun was on tiktok um that's Mm. where it like started circulating and it's i don't i think about this often but if you're one of these young athletes um he's 25 for Mm -hmm. literally me carly's age but anyway um you need to be like infinitely more careful because any taped or online now has the ability to just get shared and just I just think it's so scary. If I had a kid growing up, some D1 player, do you know how strict Carly I'd be with their Twitter and their Instagram? <laughs> I would be like a right? crazy mom. I just know I would be. I would. I'm sorry. No, I mean, right? like you, you better not screw this up, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not going to let them ruin their future because their friend made a stupid TikTok with something yeah. possibly, like, like threatening in the back. Like, I'm just not going to let that happen. Exactly. So, on a more positive note... <laughs> Let's talk about Najee Harris, starting running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I, like, really like this kid. I love the way he plays. He's, like, also yeah. a great person off the field. He came from nothing. Um, his family was living at some point. And this man has decided to, like, give back to the community he came from mm-hmm. and is giving the money to renovate the shelter that yeah. him and his family were in. Just such, like, a beautiful thing to do. And it's, like, you know, it's, it's like, headlines that like that that you want to see. It's headlines like that that you want to see, except when people decide from ESPN. Oh, this decide was so bad. To inaccurately 
report on his trauma. Right. And, and this speak. was during the Monday night football broadcast last night. We're recording Tuesday. I mean, guys, mm-hmm. Steve Levy, is that how you pronounce the last name? I'm not sure. Said on the broadcast that Harris slept on the floor for his first few months in his dorm at Alabama. And because he was, quote, more comfortable and more used to that, that's, that's a, such oh a messed up comment. It's so bad. And then, guys, he gets on Twitter, Harris, and writes, quote, brah, I ain't sleep on no damn floor in college. I slept on my bed. That's so embarrassing for Steve. If you're Steve at ESPN, I don't know how you come back from that. Like, your credibility is now ruined. And honestly, Except- why is that something you would say? to comment on the story like this is such I don't a know that this young man is doing for his community and giving back and that's what you're gonna comment on and then wait wait carly it gets worse so then he also called the monday night football crew out for mispronouncing his name they did not say his name correctly on the broadcast and oh Najee God. Harris also tweeted about that he was like you guys messed up my name and come i are saying on. all this like, untruth come stuff. on man it's that's bad horrible. i mean Jeez. i laugh but if i'm re- and you know, Carly, in the bigger scheme of things, I don't know if you remember, there was a lot of reporters during the NBA trade who were called out by players, right? Saying like, hey, they're mm-hmm. reporting inaccurately about me. And it's like now credibility is a huge, huge issue where like even like Shams got called out. Like if you're not sure what you're reporting, you can't be putting stuff out there because players are going to call you out. Right. No, it's I bad. agree. And, and I mean, he was right to do it. I think he has a right to, you know, say that. And of course, like, so I'm just, really happy you know, did. come right, come come out, you know, come back at someone who like t- didn't have the facts right. That's it. I just don't know how you say it though if you don't know for sure. That's such a bold statement to say. He I know, especially on the floor. like on a Monday Night Football broadcast on ESPN. Yeah, like that. I mean, I don't even. I mean, even like, and now as an individual, now Steve as individuals is hurting ESPN's credibility. It's just a bad. It's yes, just a slippery slope. That is true. I didn't think of it in that way. Um, yeah. All right, so let's talk about two guys who have been in the headlines right now, Aaron Rodgers and Odell. Let's start with Rodgers. Um, this Ooh. has just, like, unfolded a lot. So um, he tested positive for COVID, um, and then yeah. we find out he's not vaccinated, even though in a press conference earlier this season, he said when asked when he was vaccinated that he was immunized which he did some like homeopathic treatment or, or something like that, but he, and he tried to appeal to the NFL and the NFL PA that he could get the same treatment as vaccinated players. No. So the NFL <laughs> and NFL PA were aware of his vaccination um, status. However, the public and the media were not, and he straight up misled the public. Here's um, the thing, though. Like, when you have an, a household name that's in the same level of, like, the Brady-Mahomes level, yes. it's so hard when, you know, you see this guy everywhere. Like, the face of Literally the farm, everywhere. Yeah. You know, this, like, beloved figure in green. But, and, like, the Packers and the NFL are so chill about whatever he does because he's just, like, this huge star. Because he's rock. And they don't want to upset him anymore. That's no. The thing. They're, like, like so they're, scared. They're like, please stay, Aaron. Please stay. <laughs> yeah but i have a problem with the fact that he doesn't have like as much accountability and then you have other players doing things like let's talk about like you know maybe during the protests and it's like worse things happen to them i mean just when it comes to the to you know talking about how it plays on the football field he may miss he missed a game he may miss another yeah i mean i'm I'm interested to see what happens it's so early on still 
Yeah, and that's the reality. Um, but to be clear, my problem just that yeah. he lied, though. It's not that yeah, he... I'm I not, agree. That's just my issue. It's not that he didn't get vaccinated for me. It's just, just that he lied that about he it. he misled. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, that's my issue. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then Odell. Oh. So oh. there's just, like, all this <laughs> drama, like, between Odell and his father. It's like, come on. And so, like, basically, to, like, recap, Odell's dad put out this video that, like, went viral of, like, Odell being open and bigger enough throwing to him. It was, like, this edited clip, and um, the Browns were not having it, and Kevin Stefanski is, like, a no-nonsense head coach, was, like, you know, I don't need this drama released. Wait, Carly, what was the video of? It was... Odell like being open it was like all these cuts that his dad put together like Odell being open and Baker not throwing to him yeah so I heard about that I wonder what you mean when you say Odell Beckham senior do you mean your bestie because let's go back and reference the photo of you and him you know we did have a great time at a tailgate back in 20 (laughs) I think it was 2014 Um, we had a great time but I don't approve of this behavior (laughs) yeah and you know it's funny LeBron James has been his biggest supporter too throughout this whole situation yeah I and like the thing is like it's just he causes so much nonsense and at this point like he has nothing to back it up like he is so talented but he yeah he like the Browns proved that they don't need him to win and they especially Mm -hmm. show that on Sunday and like the thing is like he because he doesn't he's not backing it up like he cannot be acting like this and like he cleared waivers today and is now like no one picked him up off waivers because the thing is any this is the thing this is like a big thing that i was like oh my god like you're putting yourself in a hole odell mm-hmm. not that like more than he already has so one he said if he doesn't go to a good team he's gonna cause problems so no no like team that actually could use him is gonna take him because he's just gonna cause drama right two any team that already is a contender has their number one receiver and odell won't be happy unless he's number one so if you think about it that way, like literally where is he supposed to go that he's going to be happy? Because every team that's already a contender has their number one guy. There were rumors that he would go to Seattle. Well, they have saw DK. That, yeah. DK's number one. Are you okay being number two? I don't know if he's okay with that. Pete Carroll danced around it. He didn't say much. And like he's just proven that he's a locker room problem. And who wants that? <laughs> yeah, but you know I don't know, Curly, though, it's weird for me to think about, like, his early stardom with the Giants. Like, I remember just loving this guy, like, going to Giants games and his energy. Like, I was such a big fan. I never loved him. I always had expectations about him. And Did you hesitation. really? Yes. Wow. I remember my dad asked me if I wanted an Onodell jersey for Hanukkah, and I said, no, he hasn't proved that his name belongs on my back. Oh, my God. What a bold statement. That's great. I went all because I honestly I was like I gotta wait to see what this guy's actually about. I remember like if you were I remember most Giants fans were so into that Odell hype like we were so into it like I liked it I thought he was talented obviously like, it's undeniable yeah. but I was like I don't know how I feel about like his character and like what he contributes to yeah. the team like as a teammate. So and look where we are exactly look where we are. Um, Let's talk some, like, Sunday recap, kind of couple things I want to talk about, like, on the football field. Um, Defeated the Buffalo Bills in a huge upset in a very low-scoring game, 9-6. And it was the battle of Josh Allen's, the quarterback, Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen, 
and the Jacksonville Jaguars pass rusher Josh Allen. Yeah, I saw like headlines like Josh Allen sacked by Sack Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. I was like, it um, was so okay. great. And the Jacksonville Jaguar Josh Allen got the win in this one and had a, himself a day. And it is the first time ever that a guy was sacked by a guy with the same exact name (laughs) that's so wild so funny um and the next play i want to discuss and kind of break down a bit um so the titans played the sofi stadium um and the titans proved real deal up to this point i was kind of like oh like who have they even played into the rams house and destroyed them um so i was like all right all right titans okay you proved it um there's a play that a lot of people are talking about. So Stafford was getting um, tackled and basically sacked in the end zone, which would have resulted in a safety. He decided to throw the ball away, and instead he got picked off. In my opinion, I would have said that he should have gone down, taken the safety, because it would have been better off to give up two points, yes, the Titans would get the ball back after that. However, the Rams defense up to that point had been rock solid and you could trust them on a long field. So even if you took the two points, then the ball went to the Titans. The Rams defense would have, I believe would have been able to stop them without them scoring any points. Now in this situation, because he threw the ball carelessly, it got picked off and there was a high chance of getting picked off because he threw the ball carelessly. Now he put them in, incredible position to score a touchdown essentially giving them seven points and instead of taking the safety and giving them two points you're basically essentially giving them seven so I thought it was not a smart decision on his part to throw the ball away I like that little breakdown my favorite part about our our NFL like uh, like little stints on our podcast is when Carly breaks down specific plays because it gives me a Almost like a little shadow, like an inkling into what your life was as a scout in a way. Oh, I love that. You know what yeah. I mean? Because that's like how I imagine. Obviously, I never was there with you like during before Bucks. I'm like, that's kind of how I imagine your job to be like breaking down those plays and like looking at like what people are doing right and like their strategy behind it all. Yeah. Some of the times, I mean, we used to get, we would give game grades to players based on like for our own team. We'd watch our tape and then give game grades to each guy. You know what's funny, Carly, and obviously you know this about me, but obviously not everyone mm-hmm. does. When I was first getting more into the NFL, because I wasn't that into it. Like, if you if you go back, like, seven years ago, just wasn't that into it. Mm-hmm. And what got me more into it was one of my first jobs as a beat writer covering the Giants. And right. one of the series we did for the, the magazine I wrote for the website was Game Balls, like, Goats, like, the heroes of the game and the people who didn't mm-hmm. do well. And that, like, forced me to really go behind the strategy of the game because I had to really, like, like, you had to write the article right after the game was over, so you kind of had to start drafting in the fourth quarter and have sure. it ready to go. So that was one of the things that helped me. So when you break down games, it kind of rem- it, I reflect back on, like, the times where I had to figure out who was the hero and who wasn't and why. Right. And it, like, I, like, I love that. And it, it definitely makes you watch it, the game, from a different perspective, which I enjoy. And, like, that content on the website was we had, like, paid content and then unpaid content, and like, free content, and that was, like, paid content if you want to see that. So, like, these kind of insights in my opinion Carly are like among my favorite that you do because like these these are like deep insights that you won't get from like surface level articles on like NBC yeah. or USA Today you know what I mean it's more of an analytical perspective than just seeing the facts exactly which I love yeah right me too 
Um, so with all that, um, we have a really special guest that we're excited. I'm to so excited. On. I'm so excited. Oh my god! So <laughs> we did this interview beforehand, and it was absolutely incredible. So we're going to cut to that, and we'll see you guys there. Bye. We have with us today founder and CEO of Goal Sports, a company dedicated to investing in women's sports to create a more equitable sports world. Please welcome to the show, Caroline Fitzgerald. Hey, Carly. Hey, Sarah. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you, Caroline. This is incredible. Um, so Caroline and I actually met through um, a networking event, um, like a networking happy hour, and I reached out to her um, just as she was taking the leap to, um, you know, go full force into goals. So it's super exciting to have you on. Yeah, it's so good to be here. Oh my gosh, it's been such a whirlwind getting to this point, but goals has been yeah, kind of a year plus, almost a year and a half now in the making. And then just, I think it was three months ago, made the, the switch to full time, going all in on women's sports. And it's been an incredible journey, but I'm absolutely loving it. I feel like I have found my home in the women's sports world and community. And I just know this is the beginning and I'm so excited um, to be doing this. That's awesome. We love to hear it. We're definitely going to get more into goals later, but first, can you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are now and your career journey? Wow. Okay. So I know that we don't have like two hours on this podcast, so I'll keep this brief and go through it. I think, you know, I think like a lot of people, my career journey and my education, it's been like such a winding road. I have not been on this like straight linear path, like working towards this exact moment of having my own business at women's sports. It's been really a winding road, Um, but I'm really grateful for all the experiences. So my education, um, well, actually I'm going to take it a little bit farther back, like all the way back to young Caroline, because I feel like this is an important story to share because it kind of like laid the groundwork for the way that I viewed life. Um, So my journey with sports and like being a woman in sports, uh, particularly a woman in a men's and boys sports world, it was boys because I was so young. I was about seven, I think, six or seven years old. And uh, I grew up in a family. I'm one of eight kids. And I grew up in a family with two parents who love sports. We're from Pittsburgh. My dad is a huge Pittsburgh Pirates men's baseball fan. So we grew up loving baseball, playing baseball. And when it became time for me and my brother to play little league or get into t-ball or whatever um there wasn't a girls baseball team or even a softball team so my dad and my mom just signed me up to play with my brother and I was the only girl on this boys baseball team so I showed up to our first game and I remember this it's burned into my head I show up and immediately the other team was mocking us we were the reds And they're mocking us and they were like, oh, we're going to crush this team. They have a girl on their team. This team stinks. And we are so little. I'm telling like six, seven. We're so little that no, it's not T-ball. It's a step above T-ball. It's like parent pitch. And I was thinking, how dare these boys? Are you kidding me? So I have this like fire in my belly and we got to take the field for the first inning. And because the parents are pitching, there's a position of 
pitcher's helper where you stand next to the the mound and you feel any ball that comes to the pitcher. So that was my position for the, the first inning. And the first three boys from that team hit ground balls to me at the pitcher's helper at the mound. And I threw all three of them out. And I remember walking off the field with such a swagger, such confidence, like how dare you think that our team is lesser than your team because I am a girl and because I am on this team. And I didn't know the word feminism or sexism or anything like that. We're, again, we're so little, but I knew what they were doing was wrong. And I knew that I belonged in that space. And that was just such a defining moment for me in my life where I was like, never am I going to think that I am not welcome in a space, especially in sports and so competitive because I was a girl. So that was like a very defining moment for me. And then we went off from there. I played basketball my whole life, um, softball, baseball, pretty much all the sports. Basketball is my main one. I went on after high school, you know, a couple years passed between being seven years old and then college. And I went to Penn State where I studied marketing and women and gender studies. Um, and from there, I went to work for Kohl's department stores. So my first job was in retail. So I worked in a store right boots on the ground, managing stores in the Pittsburgh area, and then uh, transitioned to the corporate office in Milwaukee and worked in marketing. So from there, I came back to Pittsburgh because I bleed black and gold. I miss Pittsburgh, I missed all my siblings. So I moved back to Pittsburgh and I took a job in a very different industry in the museum industry, where I was the director of public programs at the Smithsonian Museum in Pittsburgh where I was charged with creating special events and campaigns that would drive a younger audience into the museum. So that was a really, really interesting experience for me. But through all of it, I'm like missing sports. You know, once you've been in sports, you are just finding or waiting for that moment that you can get back into it in some capacity. So a position came about at the Dick Sporting Goods Pittsburgh Marathon and the organization that puts that on, which is P3R. So I started to work at P3R in a sales, a sponsorship sales role. And I had never done sales before. I, again, marketing, retail, event, like not in the sales. I was very intimidated by sales and almost didn't take the job because I had a bit of imposter syndrome. Uh, luckily, I had a great mentor and boss that hyped me up in that role. And what I quickly learned is that sales is really just like being able to put a great marketing plan together and when you're working on a sponsorship it's just how do you build a great marketing plan for that brand that's trying to get more exposure through their sponsorship so I found a knack for it and I honestly think that my me not seeming like a typical sale I don't know I have this vision in my mind of what a typical salesperson is it's like someone in a suit that's rolling up and maybe they're on the golf course closing a deal but I found that I had a lot of success because people like trusted my background and they knew that I'd come up with a good marketing plan and I was honest with them and uh, it just worked out really well. So worked there for about five years in total, ended up um, kind of climbing the ladder there to become a senior vice president of partnerships there and sales. And so I know long story long, we're getting there. So then the pandemic hit. So <laughs> during the pandemic, everybody is spending more time at home we, I was certainly doing that, working and running events. We weren't able to put on our events, so I was at home. And um, it kind of slowing down a little bit gave me the opportunity to watch women's sports like I had never done before. I'm a huge WNBA fan. 
So I'm watching women's sports. I'm loving it. And particularly the 2020 WNBA season during their wobble. And I'm watching this season and I'm watching exceptional basketball during a pandemic. And I'm watching the players of the WNBA making their season mean more. So they dedicated their season to the Black Lives Matter movement, to fighting for racial justice. They did so many remarkable things during this season that I was so moved by it. And I, I'm watching this season, I'm moved by it. And I'm also like following along on WNBA Twitter. And I'm seeing a lot of people say things like they need to shut up and dribble, stick to sports, like saying, keep politics out of sports. And I'm, I'm reading all this stuff. And I'm also seeing all these reports on how in this season, when the WNBA had the highest political activism they've ever had, where they're doing all of these things, they're having record-breaking viewership, engagement, merchandise sales, sponsorship sales. And so I'm realizing there's this disconnect here. And I'm like, actually, it is good business for them to be activists. So I came kind of obsessed with the intersection of women's sports business and activism, because I really believe just being a women's sports fan or just being a female athlete is a, is a form of activism because we are entering a world that was not built for us. It's like me as a little girl going onto that baseball team. Like that was activism because I'm immediately being rejected by the men in that space. Like I don't belong there. So it's a powerful moment showing up in those spaces. So I became really interested in that intersection of activism and sports business. And during the pandemic, I'm going for a lot of walks by myself. I'm listening to podcasts. And I really wanted to listen to a podcast about the business of women's sports. And I could not find one. So like you guys started your own podcast. That's what I did. I started my own podcast called The Business Case for Women's Sports. And the marketer in me was like, Caroline, you cannot just start a podcast without any kind of social media following or anybody like who's going to listen to your podcast. I know you have a lot of siblings, but like you need more listeners than that. So I was like, okay, we're going to start goals and build up and build this network. And then about six months after putting out content about the business of women's sports and women athletes as activists, finally launched that podcast. Um, and then just after doing all of this work and realizing that there is such a demand for women's sports and that women's sports really are the next big exciting trend in the women's in the sports industry in general I kind of was like you know what I have a sponsorship skill set here the thing that women's sports need to move forward is more investment maybe I should put my money where my mouth is here and try to actually bring more money into this so that's where the idea it was it was definitely an evolving it was an evolving career path for me to even get to that point but goals itself really evolved a lot and so then I just decided to do it and form um, a consultancy that's focused solely on bringing investment into women's sports, where I work with teams and organizations, um, any, anybody that's looking to bring in more investment to women's sports and work in the space. And I partner with them to do that. So it's been great. And that's my career path in a nutshell. And that's kind of what goals is in a nutshell.
That's awesome. And like we talked about kind of before, you know, me and Carly are obviously a huge fan of the page. For those that don't know, I know you talked a little bit about like why you started it. What are like some of the, you know, you'd say like the news or headlines or things that Goals has highlighted um, this year? And like, what are some things that, you know, you've talked about on your podcast recently? What are some headlines that have been interesting in women's sports to you right now? Yeah, great question. So I think some of the stats, some of the reasons for why I ultimately started goals are those really frustrating stats that we encounter all the time. Things like women's sports only receive 4% of media coverage. Women's sports get less than 1%, not even a whole percent of sponsorship dollars. Um, 86% of sports journalists are men. Um, I think it's 7% of major league team owners are women, only 7%. So the evidence is just stacking up to support that hypothesis that the sports world has been built by men for men. So those were the kind of like infuriating stats that really motivated me to jump into this work. Cause those are the, that's the needle that we're really trying to move. And specifically it goes that, that one, that less than 1% sponsorship dollar, that's really going to be the measure of success for us. So that was the start, but then through all of this, again, on that goals journey, the kind of headlines and things that keep us going are some of the exciting things that have come out around viewership and some of the huge sponsorship, um, sponsorship deals that we've seen in the past year. The it was in 2020, the NWS cell season had a 493% increase in viewership, which is wild. A 500% increase. We're seeing record-breaking viewership uh, around the U.S. Open, where the, the 2021 U.S. Open, the women's final, had more viewership than the men's final did. Apples to apples comparison. Uh, same with the Women's College World Series and the, the Men's Baseball World Series in the NCAA and college, college sports. So we're seeing these, these stats like this where the demand for women's sports is there. And it's proven any time that women's sports are given platforms and they're accessible. So when women's sports are on TV, people are showing up in record-breaking numbers. And there was this major shift during the pandemic and, and since then really to push to get women's sports more accessible. So again, we're seeing these kind of stats with more viewership. Around sponsorship, we've seen in this past year alone, the largest sponsorship deals by far that have ever happened in the women's sports space. A couple are um, Bally's and their partnership with the Phoenix Mercury and the WNBA. Largest team sponsorship in the history of women's sports um, in the U.S. Uh, Michelob Ultra just made a record-breaking, glass-shattering investment in women's sports and how they're committing to women's sports over the next couple of years. So we're starting to see all of these things happen, um, and it's it's really exciting. And then we're also starting to see all of this wonderful research that's coming out to measure the impact of women's sports. So there were two key pieces of research that came out this past year that I found particularly fascinating. One was this report that was done by True North Research, uh, an agency that measured outcomes of sponsorships of men's sports teams versus women's sports teams for how the ROI was for their sponsors. So basically what they found is sponsors of women's sports 
see better returns on their investment than sponsors of men's sports. And that's because of the reality that it costs less money to, to get a sponsorship with women's, with women's sports. So it's a lower spend. But then also women's sports fans are like the most powerful force in the sports world. We are so dedicated. They show up, they buy merchandise. It's really remarkable. And so True North identified that. And then I think right after that, Sports Innovation Lab released the fan project report that really did an in-depth look at women's sports fans and their fan behavior. And what they found is that women's sports fans are incredibly digitally savvy. They're incredibly dedicated. And they have all this great research around how when a brand, from the moment a brand invests in women's sports, they immediately see more behavior as a result, purchasing behavior, social behavior, engagement. They get this like giant bump in consumer behavior once they make that decision to invest in women's sports. So the data is there, the results are there. All of these things are just stacking up and it's just this really exciting time for women's sports. And um, I believe that this is really just the beginning too. Like we're just scratching the surface of what women's sports are gonna be able to accomplish and how they're gonna be revalued in the coming years. We love all of that. Um, definitely just, I mean, like you're educating us <laughs> um, on those statistics as well. Um, so obviously like, it's such um, promising things to hear, like that we are going in the right direction. Yeah, of course, there's such a long way to go, but it's great to hear that. Like, even I mean, I, I, this is like something I love that people are saying more now. It's like support women's sports. The data does, and it's a hundred percent true. Totally, yes, and it's for a long time. I feel like any sponsorship or investment in women's sports was almost viewed as charity. Like it's just checking a box like, oh, it's the right thing to do to invest in women's sports. And absolutely it is. That is indisputable. It is the right thing to do to invest in women. No question about it. But now we're also proving that it's good business. So anybody that's not investing in women and women's sports is not only ignoring half of the population, but they're also leaving money on the table. So it's an absolute no brainer. Right, 100%. Um, something we do want to talk about with you is what is something that you want to accomplish within your company? Like, what does the future of goals look like? What do you have your eyes set on? Yeah, so what are our goals at goals, essentially? So I think the big one is that moving the needle on that sponsorship uh, percentage or lack of a percentage. So we would like to contribute to the growth of that number, whether that be to a full 1% or 10%. Ideally, we get that to 50% or above. That's like the big overarching goal. Um, beyond that, the bigger, even bigger overarching goal is to create a more equitable sports world. Um, but tangibly, what we're, we're going to be able to contribute is, I think, moving the needle on that less than 1% number. I also would really like to see goals to continue to grow and become that place, that go-to place for people who are seeking information on the business 
of women's sports and anybody who's trying to do business in the space, study the space. I'd like to be, to have goals be that place that they can come to get reliable information so they can study women's sports. So I am in right now a master's program at NYU on, um, it's a master's of global sport. And I'm doing a lot of research. My focus for my whole master's program is on the business of women's sports, as you can imagine. And I'm I'm writing all these papers and what I'm finding is there's not a ton of academic research on the business of women's sports or data as we're talking about. So all now this is all coming out. So I just really think that it's important, like any industry, if you want to grow a business, if you want to grow an industry, you have to be able to study that industry. So we would like to contribute to putting out more information and highlighting work that other people do that is giving leaders in the women's sports industry the information that they need to go out and change the game on their own. So those are those are our big goals. I wanted to talk to you about some of the advice you have for other women. When we started this interview, you know, you mentioned a very notable point in your childhood and like what that kind of meant to you. Um, what would advice would you give to women who are kind of dealing with the same stigma that you described in that, you know, childhood experience? That's a great question. So a couple things. So first of all, there's one thing I always like to come back to one little quote is you only get in life, what you're willing to ask for and work for. Um, and I think as women, we have been told we're not welcome in certain spaces or not made to feel welcome in certain spaces or um, especially in the business world. A lot of times we're, I don't know, we undervalue ourselves or undersell ourselves or have imposter syndrome. And you know what? I think that is just like the patriarchy <laughs> trying to keep power, if you will. And um I just really think that women should absolutely take what is rightfully theirs. Like just as men have been walking into spaces and not feeling imposter syndrome since the beginning of time, women go forward, like you absolutely belong and you're absolutely worthy and you're absolutely valued. So ask for it, show up for it, work for it. Um, Cause you absolutely deserve it. And um, one thing that we talk about a lot of goals is money. So I think that's like money is such a stigmatized topic with women. And, you know, I think we constantly undervalue ourselves as women. So I think that value piece is really important. Like never, never undervalue yourself because you are worthy and you are important and you have something to contribute. So, um, it's essential that you show up and you own that and you, you take control of your destiny. I don't know. I can keep shouting off cliches, but I really just want to hammer home. Like you are valued and you are worthy and you deserve to be in all of the spaces in the, the sports industry. We love that so much. Like I literally have chills. Um, but I think it's like, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna play that as my mantra every morning. Now, um, <laughs> But we, we can't agree more. Like, we love that. Like, we always say, like, you know, I mean, all the cliches that they apply, you know, once you're at the table, like, make sure you eat, like, you earned your spot there. 
Absolutely. I, there's a, a colleague of mine, Chrissy Sanders, who's an awesome leader when it comes to the business of women's sports. She says all the time uh, around the table, she says, if they're not going to give you a seat at the table, we're just going to build our own table. And I love that. Yeah, we're just going to build our own table here. And that's it. So, Caroline, do you do you have a TED talk? You should consider starting one and submit. It would be I would watch. It. Oh my gosh, you guys are the best. Yeah, maybe we could put a little. I don't know. We can put a women's. We should put a women's sports TED talk right? series. together. hundred percent. Into that, yeah. Sarah, you're onto something. So <laughs> yeah. Love that um, business idea, Sarah. <laughs> Carlin, where can people find you besides gold? Like, do you have a website and do you have your own personal social media that you kind of update people with stuff? Absolutely. So goals is on all of the social medias. So our website is goals-sports.com. You can check us out there. That's where all of our merchandise is that we just dropped, which we're super excited about. Um, we are on Twitter and Instagram at goals underscore sports underscore. So that's where you can find us there. We're also on LinkedIn because that's um, a big place for business updates. So we love to post updates on LinkedIn for uh, people in the industry to share. As far as me, yes, I am. Um, I, I'm constantly tweeting about women's sports and women's empowerment uh, and posting on Instagram. So I'm at PGH Caroline. I absolutely, as you know, love Pittsburgh. So at PGH Caroline, you can find me there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where you can find goals in a nutshell. And our, our podcast, I should mention the business case for women's sports is pretty much available everywhere you listen to podcasts. So you can look us up there. Awesome. Well, everyone go check out Caroline. Um, if you guys have heard of on your, on her turf and the gist, a lot of your tweets have been shared by them, which is super, super cool. So cool. Insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, so, oh my gosh. Talk about amazing platforms. They are doing the work. I'm a huge fan. 100%. So like I said, everyone go check out Caroline and Gold. Um, check out the merch. We're going to check out the merch. Um, and thank you so much, Caroline. This has been absolutely incredible. Thank you yeah, so thank, much. Thank you guys for everything you're doing to elevate others in the space and put out your own content. It's amazing. So it's such an honor to be here and I can't thank you enough. Wait, Carly, I actually didn't know how you guys met until this episode, but you must have, did you, when you first met her, had she started goals yet or was that before? So it was like in, it had been in the works, but she was still at her other job. And I talked to her like the week that she was like, I'm going full time with goals. Are you serious? I'm, I'm making the leap. It's happening. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Cause I feel like we learned so much about the business of women's sports marketing advertising and broadcasting in that one conversation it was enlightening to like honestly like it was seriously i just feel like i you know they say knowledge is power i feel empowered after learning the things i just heard yeah and truly like everyone should go check out goals and like check out caroline stuff like she has some awesome tweets like i talked about in the interview like just like tweets that are so great that on her turf is like sharing lately now well she's such a like i just love how thoughtful her responses were and how well spoken she is and she's so nice yes and you can tell like she's so passionate about women's sports i know and i love that 
we, we need more women like that in the space like she's amazing I agree. So I am so, so glad that we had her on. You guys know where to find us. Next Woman Up podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Next Woman Up pod at gmail.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thanks.